isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hey everyone and welcome to the Truck Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Guy. Thanks for joining us on our adventures and we are glad to have you along. If you're new around here, welcome and know that the Truck Guy Podcast is your dirt road ride to the freshest inside takes on the latest truck news, test drives, how-to tips, stories, and probably a dose or two of high-octane opinion. We're back after a summer break with this guest, Tom Cotter. Now, you might know the man from his popular show Barn Fine Hunters, produced in association with Haggerty Media, in which he travels the back roads of America to find some of that nation's best-kept automotive secrets. He recently unearthed a 1985 Chevy C10 Silverado with just 148 miles on the clock. The thing was just resplendent in its original black paint, its stock wheels, and yeah, it still had plastic on the seats, so you're going to want to stick around to hear about that. Tom also just returned from a 9,000 mile road trip in which he took a Ford Bronco 4x4 all the way from Key West at the southern tip of Florida up to Dead Horse at the top of Alaska. Along the way, they took their four-wheel drive off the beaten path, with an airstream in tow, of course, because why don't you, to find things that were tucked away in places across the states. So he'll be regaling us with stories about that trip in four-wheel drive and giving us a peek at the book that he wrote about that journey. That's all coming up in the next half hour on the Truck Guy Podcast. Fantastic to have you here. I mean, it's just it's so great. You know, you're 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 back from a, a huge road trip in a four x four. And um, Mr. Cotter, for our listeners, he's a he's a true gearhead and an accomplished writer with a new book out called America's Greatest Road Trip. Um, but before we get to that and the book and the contents of it and all of the different four x four adventures that he had, um, Mr. Cotter, for any of our listeners who might not be up to speed with what you do, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your love for all things cars and trucks? Yeah, I have to say that I'm 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 either the life of the party or I'm the most boring person at the party, uh, depending on who the who's at the party. But I've only done one thing in my life, and that's cars. Uh, I've I've never played golf. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't follow football. I'm I'm a pretty boring guy, unless you're a car guy, and then you know life is uh, wonderful. Um, I have repaired cars, sold cars, sold auto parts. Um, but then got into the public relations business. I was PR director at Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina and then started my own agency and represented lots of the big uh, sponsors in NASCAR, IndyCar, uh, IMSA, motorcycle drag racing. 
Um, and, you know, but for, I sold that, that agency. And now for the last 23 years, I've uh, written 18 books. And I do. I'm, I'm the host of Haggerty's Barn Fight Hunter. So pretty cool life. That's amazing. And, and I mean, there's so many different facets to what you do. And you could tell, like we were talking just ahead of the show about um, different things. You could tell that how your excitement just comes through the speakers. <laughs> you know, it, I, I, I love when I meet people at a car show or something that, that have seen me on Barn Fight Hunter and, and they react. It's so authentic. You're so enthusiastic. You're so happy about what you do. I love the way that comes through because that's, that truly is me. And that come that comes through absolutely. Like one of your latest adventures, um, had you embark on a, a what a nine thousand mile road trip, um, from Key West down Florida, um, to Dead Horse up in Alaska. So, can can you tell us about how that came about? Is that something you've been percolating on for a while, or how did that? Yeah, how did that get actually, started? for a long time, for for several years, I've been uh, you know putting that together. I've done a couple of books on. Um, road trips and one was uh, driving a model t across the united states another one was driving my woody across uh, route 66 from chicago to la but this is one that has been kind of festering in my brain for a number of years and you know should i do it in an antique car should i buy a car on ebay in florida and sell it on ebay in in uh, alaska and then i said you know maybe i'll just take the car component out of it and 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 just make it about an adventure about meeting people and driving off the grid, uh, and and you know as I call it two lane America. So uh, the trip was actually eight thousand eight hundred eighty one miles. We started at the southernmost point in Key West. So if if you had really good eyes, you could see Cuba from there, and drove uh, on two lane roads all the way up to Dead Horse, Alaska, which which is on Prudhoe Bay. And if you had really good eyes, you could see Russia from there. So we're kind of surrounded <laughs> by communism, it seems. But um, it, it was uh, it was an amazing event. And my photographer, Michael Allen Ross, my great friend and I uh, have been working on this. And, and it finally came together. The stars aligned. And voila, the book is finally done. And I know that you were taken with um, some of your other trips. You had, you know, the car as your big focus. But you still going to have a pretty stout 4 by 4 as your workhorse on this journey. Um, you used the Ford Bronco, right? Used the Ford Bronco. Uh, yes, uh, a new Ford Bronco that Ford loaned us, a new Airstream, 16-foot uh, uh, base camp. And, uh, and, and so we camped all the way. Actually, probably once every, somewhere seven to ten days, we stayed in a hotel, we'd do the laundry, we would occasionally, you know, if there was a Formula One race on TV, I would uh, make sure on Sunday morning I was at a, at a near hotel. Uh, just so happened to be there washing, you know, you're tired of washing stuff in the sink for a while. Just happened to be there during an F1 race. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I, I, would, I would watch that on, on the hotel TV set. Um, but it, it was uh, in this country, there's so much, you know, kind of uh, unnecessary dialogue. Everybody's, you know, polarized and whatever. And I was hoping that, getting off the coasts and getting into the interior of America, it would be, there would be less kind of uh, animosity. And that's exactly the way it turned out. I mean, we met people who, you know, I don't have time for that stuff. I got to get the hay cut before the storm comes in so I could feed my animals. You know, 
it's I got to get this cattle branded. Uh, you know, it's like it's these are real Americans who are uh, making America work. Right. And I, w- I was so happy to see that my my, uh, you know, I guess my the harshest reality was not realized. It was it was terrific. That's awesome. That's so cool because, I mean, in the book, um, there's umpteen great stories about cars and trucks and the people. Um, I mean, I'm just picking a couple off the top of my head from reading it. There was a, a dealer, you stopped into a Ford dealer in North Dakota quite randomly, and you discovered that he drove a, a go-kart Mustang to work that morning, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can't, you can't make that up. You know, we were, um, we're driving down this little main street, and there's a Ford dealer, and... There was a Bronco, a new Bronco on the, on the lot. I said, Michael, let's turn around. Let's go back there. Let's make their day. And we, you know, we pull in and before you know it, you know, everybody from the office, the sales floor, the mechanics, everybody's outside. They want to talk. Where are you going? What, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, this is, this is, you know, not near anything. I mean, they are a hundred miles from the, the nearest Walmart. Right. And, you know, I don't want to be trivial about it because Walmart is where people shop. So, you know, they do a 200 mile round trip when they go shopping. So this Ford dealership um, is kind of really off the, off the beaten path uh, in a little town. And I loved it. And the people were great. And they just were so thankful that we stopped because, you know, exciting things don't happen that often in that little town or lots of little towns. Absolutely. And that's one of the cool things. I mean, you weave this through all of your stories, but especially through this one, because that a lot of resources exist about road trip destinations. But I mean, your intent was and is, you know, to discover lesser known points of interest. Yep. I mean, you know, when we were in Kansas, I, <laughs> I found out that the, the world's largest ball of twine was just a few miles away. <laughs> Damn, I had to hightail it there. I mean, who doesn't want to see a 10,000 pound ball of twine? <laughs> How can you not go and visit that if you're only a few miles away? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, of I, I, but was there a big cat playing with it? That's the question. Oh, no. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, he would have un- unveiled, you know, unreeled it. It would have been all down Main Street and across Nebraska, probably. <laughs> that's amazing. But you're right. I mean, all of these lesser known points of interest and you get to the heart of America. So that's where um, I guess your path took you up through that that area. You stayed away from the coast. Yeah. Stay away from the coast as quickly as we could. And I, I had one more state to check off on my 50 state list. I had only gone to 49 states and we had to go to North Dakota so I can get the 50th state. Michael hadn't been there either. So now he's got 49 states missing only Louisiana. And so our tr- rather than do a diagonal, you know, southeast to northwest route that was very disciplined, we kind of zigzagged here and there. Oh, that looks like a cool town, or that looks like a great road. I don't care if it, if it's you know uh, a natural road for us to drive on or not. We're going to drive it because I just like the undulation and the curves and the hills and the trees. And so we went to North Dakota, and and on the way uh, there, you know, it was Memorial Day in America, and. And so we went to a dirt track race, with, you know, and, and hung out with a family and had hot dogs and, uh, you know, watched, watched the father and the son and the daughter-in-law all race. You know, this is what they do every weekend in, in the nice weather. And, you know, the father's wife, the, the, the woman said, I've been doing this for 33 years, every single weekend. 
<laughs> and she says, I love it. My kids have been raised here. You know, I've, and, and she introduced me to her dogs. And she had her dogs that were all very disciplined in the paddock area. They were not wandering around. Um, just, just terrific. That's so cool. I mean, it's just, you can just imagine the generations of people. And, you know, all, I can just picture all the different pickup trucks and all the different 4x4s and all the different things that have been in that paddock over the years towing the race cars there and then celebrating wins and, and all those awesome things that you don't find in a big book of, you know, American road trips, right? That's stuff that you find on your own through those undulating. You know, that, that's it. We, I wanted to meet cowboys and uh, waitresses and little diners and coffee yeah. shop owners, uh, I, truck drivers and motorcyclists. Uh, I, w- I wanted to talk to people who are not often talked to. And, you know, the only way you can really do that is go off the grid. Now, you know, if you take the interstate highways, you'll get every place a lot faster. But every exit you get off at is almost a duplicate to every exit. So you could drop me off in Pennsylvania or in Arizona, and there's going to be a Petco and an Applebee's, you know, and a Walmart Supercenter and all this stuff. But when you get off the road and go through small towns that, have really been affected by those big superstores. That's when you meet the real people that make this, this country work. And you hear the stories about, you know, this little town, okay, there's an antique store and there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a little diner and whatever. But you hear at one time there was three shoe stores on this and, and two places you could buy suits and, right. you know, there were five car dealerships and now there's none. You know, you hear what used to be and, uh, it's kind of sad because, you know, it used to work just fine before yeah. all the big guys took over. For example, you talked about coffee shops. So in your book, there's a picture of this place called the Percolator. Um, <laughs> well, right, it was a coffee shop that looked like the Percolator. <laughs> yeah, that was actually a piece of farm equipment that, that it started what? off as a big uh, can um, for a, a silo. And yeah. these two sisters, they both retired from their real jobs. And they, um, they had their husbands make this giant coffee pot and it had a spout and a handle and a little uh, top. And that's, they operated the coffee shop inside there. So you, you know, you pulled up and went over and, and there were, um, four people working inside there making coffee and then making muffins and stuff. Yeah. And you know, like it was so refreshing to see this entrepreneurism going on, uh, off the beaten path. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't look at you see the picture and it's like, okay, that's pretty easy. You had to make it somehow, <laughs> but from a silo, that's so cool. Yep. Yep. And so to get up, of course, to Alaska, you traveled through some of our country up here in Canada too. You went through what, BC, the Yukon? Yeah. And I have to apologize because, <laughs> you know, I'm an American. Okay. Let me get out of America. Let me get across this frozen tundra as quick as I can and get back into America. I want to get to Alaska. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. let me get through this 2,300 miles. And Matthew, I'm telling you that that was the, the prettiest part of the trip of the no 8,881 uh, miles that I drove. British Columbia and Yukon were the best part. And so much so that you know, my wife and I talk about if we could rent uh, one of those cool Mercedes Sprinter campers, maybe in Seattle or Vancouver, and take it up to Fairbanks, uh, I would like to do that trip. But instead of doing it, you know, in just a few days, 
do it in a couple of weeks and just, you know, maybe we'll stay at this lake for, you know, two or three more days. And mm -hmm. I, it was, it was clean. Um, it was, uh, sparsely populated, but the people who were there loved being there where they lived or just passing through. We, we met Germans and Israelis, you know, just people who are on motorcycles traveling around the world, literally on four year trips. Uh, people who had these huge, campers made out of European trucks. Um, and now they were kind of luxury campers. I don't know what the gas mileage is or, or, or diesel mileage is, but it can't be much, but literally they would, you know, they would have it shipped. Okay. When they were done with Canada and North America, have it, uh, well, they're going to take it down to South America and then it's going to be shipped to Africa. Wow. Holy mackerel. And they started off, you know, in Germany. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were going, uh, hitting the stands, as they call it, Afghanistan and, you know, all these, the, the, they call it the stands. Yeah. And they're in, they're out there and they're in, in Ukraine and all of a sudden the war started up and then whoop, they had to hightail it out of there and they got to, they had to replan, you know, so they're hoping when they get back around to that part of the world that the Ukrainian conflict is over and they can peacefully drive across and spend time in that country. That's remarkable. And it's it's neat that your intent for this trip was, I mean, of course, you have a schedule, but your schedule is not super compressed. Like you said, instead of taking a couple of days, take a couple of weeks in the in the in the sprinter van, that type of thing. Yeah, I would love to do it again. There, there are lakes and mountains and, and uh, you know, the, the Alaska Highway is, is just beautiful. And you read about the, you know, the, the U.S. Army built that thing in 10 months. Holy right? mackerel. And, and they didn't exactly do it with, with what we would consider modern technology. No, I mean, not at all. right? I mean, that was in what forty? I'm testing uh, my own history. Yeah, right, 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 uh, right, right after World War II. Yes, a lot of the old equipment. Now, really, I'm I'm into old stuff. You know, as, if you watch Barn Fun Hunter, you know, it's usually cars, trucks, motorcycles. But I'm also intrigued with equipment, and lots of it still exists it's on display at restaurants and there's like antique kind of junkyards you can walk through and um and and i'm told that much of it was parked out on frozen lakes after the construction project was done and in the spring just fell down and lots of it's sitting in these glacial lakes hundreds of feet down never to be seen again that's i believe it I believe it just, you know, thinking about some other parts of uh, of Canada, you know, where, where there were big projects and things like that. Um, yeah, a lot of yeah. stuff did get left behind. And you discovered um, in your book, there's a picture of you standing next to uh, a huge engine that's about twice, that's about 12 <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> Gotta be. It's a four, a four cylinder. Yeah. I mean, it, that's it a four was cylinder. not for a vehicle. It's a four cylinder. Yeah. And it, <laughs> they had valves and pistons on display. I'd say the, the pistons were like, you know, probably five feet in diameter. And it was some kind of like uh, engine that powered a drilling rig or something to go through mountains. Yeah. Uh, it, the ingenuity and, and the appreciation that people have that this stuff still exists. They're so proud to show it off, you know, because I guess it wasn't worth for the U.S. Army to drag that stuff back home. What are they going to do with it? So they just left it up there and... Uh, that there are some people that have really done a good job with displaying that equipment. Yeah. Um, one, one interesting thing I was in Yukon, I think it was Yukon and it's a, you know, it's a dirt road and there's a little, mm, a little store gas station, but in the middle of nowhere, no houses around. And I think there was like a hundred, I think they said there was something like, you know, 
80 people and 400 buffaloes that lived near there. And <laughs> I'm you know, a heck of a ratio. <laughs> yeah, really. And so, uh, oh, they call them bison. And right. so there's nobody around. And I wanted to eat lunch. Michael and I were hungry. And all they had was hot dogs that have been rolling on this grill for God knows how long. <laughs> and uh, so we had those. And I went outside and talked to a woman and her son. And they were riding from Montana to Dead Horse, Alaska on bicycles. And, I mean, they were just a fascinating mother and son team. They had ridden from uh, the Route 66 from Chicago to L.A., on bicycles, they had done a lap around all the Great Lakes on a trip, and this was going to be their most ambitious trip. Yes. And uh, and so while I'm talking to them, this guy uh, is kind of hovering around the background. And so I'm done talking to the mother and son, and he comes over. He says, you're the barn find hunter. I said, what, are you kidding me? I am in the middle of nowhere. This is like, you know, <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle country. And... Uh, uh, he says, well, you know, I'm from New Jersey and my two buddies over there, every year we go on a motorcycle trip and we decided to be a little bit more ambitious this year. And so we rode from New Jersey to uh, Dead Horse and we're on our way back now. And they had Harley Davidsons. So, you know, I've seen lots of KTMs mm-hmm. and uh, Yamahas and, of course, BMW adventure bikes. But these guys had like fully decked out Harleys coated with mud, you know, wow. saddlebags dripping with mud. <laughs> I just admire that. Like, doesn't matter if it's going to be easy or even possible. Let's give it a shot and see what we can find. You know, I I, I wanted to meet a trucker, you know, and spend time with a trucker. And I I met a gentleman on the Alcan Highway, and uh, he hauled uh, jet engines back and forth from Florida to Fairbanks for uh, U.S. Air Force maneuvers and stuff like that. And you know, he said. He graduated high school, went to college, but whenever he goes to a high school reunion, he said, all my friends, they might be accountants or doctors or whatever. He said, but I'm the one that made it because all my friends, when I went to school, you know, wanted to be uh, adventurers and I'm the one that's the adventurer. He said, I've been up and down this highway so many times and every time is a brand new trip and I've seen moose and buffalo and bear. And he said, I'm on vacation every day. What a great attitude. Oh, Really, though, right? I mean, that's really taking some of the great things in life and just grabbing onto it and running with it. You talked about um, you talked about your barn fine hunter um, endeavors over at Haggerty, and I need to ask you. I know this is not contained in your book. This is going off a bit uh, to the uh, taking a bit of a left turn. But you did a. I'm really interested. You did an episode. A little while ago, and in it you found an 85 C10 Silverado with just 148 miles on the clock. And this thing speaks to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure just about everyone in, <laughs> in, in Canada or America has yep. some sort of relationship with a square body truck, right? Either they had one or they knew someone who had one or their grandfather had one or whatever. So Pop had them, right? He had GMCs. And so when I saw that, I was like, ah, this Pop's truck, right? And 148 miles. So, I mean, just just talk about how you came across that and, and what did it look like? What did it smell like inside? Did it still smell new? Yeah, it did. It it had been closed up its whole life, windows closed, sticker on the window, plastic on the seats. No way. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it really, it had never been driven. And this guy got it from the original owner. Uh, they, they did some horse trading or something. And this guy had it for, I don't know, 10 years. I don't remember the exact details. But 
he, you know, he said, you know, it's, it's fun to have and it's fun to look at, but what do you do with it? You know, if you drive it, you're kind of ruining a piece of amazing automotive sculpture. So, you know, he, he uh, said, you know, I'm, I'm, sadly, I think I'm going to sell it just so I can buy something that's more practical for me to own. And so that wound up going to auction and actually did sell for $98,000, which <laughs> he, he, you know, I asked him, what is it worth? And he told me a hundred grand, but he didn't miss it by much. He was pretty much right on the money. And that truck was loaded. You know, it had the Silverado package, the right wheels, right. Uh, air conditioning, power windows, all the right trim. Uh, the only thing it had that, you know, people have contacted me ahead of 305 engine instead of a 350. But, you know, yeah. wh- whatever. If it's not going to be driven, no. know, 305 is just as fast as a 350. And you can't restore something like that. Like the grease markings are only from the factory are only there once the yeah. that type of stuff you know you can put them back on there sure when you're doing a good re- restoration but the original grease markings from the factory are only there once right the original shine oh, on the yeah. muffler is only there once so that's right right so uh there are trucks there's a lot of trucks in british columbia and yukon and you know we met some people who had you know like a, a, a an old mercury truck a ford mercury truck and a, a dodge or a chrysler fargo truck with a hemi engine in it uh, this was not a barn fun hunting trip, but I had to, you know, if I saw something interesting, I had to pull over and, and check it out. So there's a few, if you're a barn fun hunting fan, this book you'll enjoy. If you're not a barn fun hunting fan, you'll enjoy this book as well. Absolutely. And the book is called America's Greatest Road Trip, Key West to Dead Horse. Yep. Uh, I wanted a, a title that captured people's attention. You know, I've read all the other books, uh, blue highways and on the road and you know jack kerouac and all those guys and uh you know they're all good but i didn't i didn't feel i wanted to take heroin like those guys did you know i just wanted to <laughs> drive and, and get high on life uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit cleaner than those other books and uh and there's more you know those other books have no pictures and, and ours you know has 200 photos from michael Allen ross who's like a, a world renowned photographer the photography is jaw dropping in the book. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so the sad thing is, we had two hundred photos to pick out of eleven thousand that he took. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could do another couple of follow up coffee table books quite easily. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I think you know, I think what he should do is really you know post it on his website, and if people want to you know order prints or something, they could do that. I mean, that's a great idea, actually, because there's some in this book that I catch my eye and you just buy the print and put it in your office. That's what I do. So. Yep. Yep. So we came out with the book, you know, uh, to, I finished the, the trip last August and it takes about a year to write, uh, edit, proof check, um, design cover, and then print it. It's ultimately printed in China and come across, you know, it takes eight weeks to come across the ocean or something. So it just came out now. So, but the good news is that you know, it's just in time for Christmas. So, you know, this is an ideal holiday gift. Absolutely. And just before we take off, where can our listeners find copies of the book? Where's a good spot? Well, I mean, the obvious places are Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, motorbooks.com. But my favorite is go to your local independent bookstore in your little town and make their day and order a copy. Because those people struggle to uh, make ends meet and, you know, dealing with 
Amazon is no easy task. So, you know, go to your local bookstore. It's going to be the same price or maybe a little bit more, but you're keeping a local family employed and food on their table. Couldn't have said it better myself, sir. So, well, we'll stop there. Tom Cotter, thank you so much for being on the show, sir. It was a blast. And and when I do book number 19, I want to talk to you again. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. That was Tom Cotter, author, host, barn fine hunter, gearhead, and all-around great human being. I absolutely, you know, enjoy going on road trip adventures myself, of course, but I also absolutely enjoy hearing about others as well, but especially when they are as far-reaching as the ones that Tom just described. I mean, getting off the beaten path and having dirt road adventures is completely different than jetting to your destination directly, solely using interstates or the Transcan of the highway. Just getting off the beaten path and into the weeds, it affords you the chance to meet people, to hear what they're about, and <laughs> if you're like Tom, find a square body with 148 miles on it, tucked away in the corner of a nondescript concrete building. And I think if you do have an occasion to pick up a copy of his book, America's Greatest Road Trip, Key West to Dead Horse, do it. I think as a gearhead, you'll be very happy. Big thanks to our guest, Tom Cotter, for taking the time to be on the show. Producer Adam Foster, and to all the listeners for joining us this season on the Truck Guy Podcast. Thank you. Be sure to check out driving.ca where you'll find the best in truck reviews, videos, breaking news. And while you're there, use the site's comparison tool if you're shopping for some head-to-head comparisons and sign up for the Blindspot newsletter. That'll be delivered to your inbox with a roundup of the week's most important automotive news. And be sure to subscribe to the Truck Guy podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, so you can listen to this truck-loving Newfoundlander and his guests tell a few stories while talking about pickup trucks and 4x4s. Thanks for listening.